said if anyone met me on the street, they would think I'm edgy. Yeah, because like you have all these piercings, you have a lot of tattoos, your hair is always like changing. You have very like styled glasses, and like your makeup is always very like colorful. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make me less approachable? No, I don't think so. I think it's just the more you know someone, the less you're thinking about all the stuff that they're doing, like to their outward appearance, you know? Yeah, like I don't think my outward appearance fully matches maybe my personality. I feel like so many people, like that is like how they look. It doesn't really define their personality as much as it used to. Like, I don't know if it's a high school thing where it's like, you just used to think all these things defined who you are as a person or if it's just that in adulthood, you just realize it really doesn't matter what someone's doing to their outward appearance or whatever. So it's hard to, and it's hard to figure out, is it a cultural difference or is it like, you know, just going into adulthood and just being like, whatever, everyone does this kind of stuff, you know? But it just makes me like, it just hits me sometimes when I'll see photos of you and I'm like, whoa, yeah, she looks so alternative (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess my outward appearance doesn't fully match like how my personality is in the way of like it was yeah it's been a stereotype for so long if you have tattoos you're like mean and tough and whatever you know what I mean yeah and it's it is weird because a lot of the friends I've like reunited with I hadn't seen them in like five years because I've lived so many places and so I hadn't seen these girls since I've had even gotten one tattoo and so whoa tattoos are so cool and all that stuff and it's like oh yeah like for me it's just been like a casual progression but for people I haven't seen in five years I mean it was like it's all there now you know what I mean yeah and that's also like I think your hair does add to it for sure because yeah that's true I mean right now your hair is like red and black like Corella Deville except the red um so it's like that's it's I feel like that significantly changes the impact of what you see in a photo or like what you see if you're just like looking at someone on the street because you just stand out but, you know what you've inspired me I should probably uh two-tone my hair now I'm like and maybe I should do that now split what did you call it split color not two-tone split dye what you can't steal my look girl we're sister sibs we can be sisters dude don't steal my look fool we gotta be original <laughs> i'll be, be mad at, i'm gonna be real i'm gonna be mad if he's trying to come for my look <laughs> maybe i'll go back to my um bottom half of my hair being a different color than the top half of my hair so i had the bottom half be a turquoise and you were the one that said that was my best hair look change it up change it up yeah i don't really feel like cutting it i mean like i could keep it up short but it's like I really had no motivation to cut it besides I was unhappy with the fact that the dye situation that I tried to do (laughs) did not work out so I just chopped it all off in anger (laughs) oh yeah you were pissed I remember you're sending me selfies you were like it sucks I'm cutting it and I was like oh my gosh dude I did I rage cut it I was like (laughs) off of me I mean it's good it was a break but with your own hair. You Dude, broke- it was a breakup for real. Did you ever read the Retin Link mythical book? They had a thing saying like your hair reflects how you feel about yourself like in your life. 
And it was at a time where my hair was just so boring and long and had not been cut for probably over a year. Like I hadn't even trimmed it and I cut my own hair. And I was like, poof, this is so true. Like my hair looks bad and boring. And that's how I feel about my life. Like they were like, they were trying to say like, it's a one-to-one. If your hair is like boring, like you feel boring about your life. If your hair is like exciting and like, something that you want or like upkept or whatever in whatever style you've chosen like that's how you feel about your life like, there couldn't have been a truer statement I mean that's me right true now. even when your hair looks exciting when I like I have to upkeep it every month basically there was like a month that I skipped and I was like your girl looks tired and a mess and so <laughs> in my life was a tired and a mess yeah right <laughs> true Welcome to the duality of my personality. Okay, what's name? Okay. <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, one, two, three. You might find some gold. I don't know. Do I believe in science? What's time for this? Okay, let's do that again. (laughs) Do you have a duality to your personality? I mean, I think I do. I think what, okay, so I am an anagram seven. I have also typed or been, quote, mistyped as a type two. When I first tested as a seven, I was like, I'm offended that this is me almost because I feel like the stereotype of sevens is like, flippant, non-committal, blah, blah, blah. Like I kind of only saw the negatives of the personality type and was like, what? I don't really feel that I am that. And I think it's because I didn't like the characterization as if like can't be committed to stuff because I also think I'm someone that holds on to friendships. And like even my oldest friend like Emily, I've known her since literal kindergarten. We st- and I still saw her a couple of months ago. You know, it's like I didn't like that stereotype of sevens. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that there is a duality, especially because because it all also is such like a all sevens are optimistic and positive. It's like I also have been like, you know super depressed in life and gone through some really hard times so I think there is a duality to my my personality do you think that your edginess edgy look could contribute not only to your fun type of personality but to your your to my emo side side. (laughs) I never thought I was emo but apparently I am (laughs) what is your definition of emo I, I don't know, man. It's it, all I remember in high school was like just sweatshirts that were black, you know, and then like very intense eyeliner and black hair that like came in front of your face so that you couldn't really see. But honestly, I also had bangs that I couldn't see out of in front of my face. So <laughs> maybe I was emo too. <laughs> 
No, yeah, I wouldn't categorize myself as emo for sure. But yeah, I think that's the thing about being a seven is like, you also can't discount that people uh, within every type, obviously, go through like low times or like hard times. I think it's true. You had mentioned that I switched my major in college. And for so long, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher. It's all I want to be. I know it's something I'm good at. I love kids. Etc. And then speaking of my duality, I was going through really hard. My first, probably, I'd say, depression in 2013. I was. That was your first depression? Oh, yeah, big time. I think. Okay, so you had never had that experience before. I don't think I knew what depression was until that second semester of freshman year. Wow. Um, Yeah. And and to the point of like, you know, I love the quote, I, I don't know who it's by. But essentially, there's this quote that's saying, always give yourself grace for not knowing what you know now that you didn't know then. And I really apply that in respect to depression, because when I was a really young, naive, you know, teenager, I was like, oh, but if you love Jesus and like, blah, blah, like, there's no way you could be depressed. And it's like, I completely was not educated on like the clinicals, you know, hormonal imbalances that play into depression or like not even the hormonal ones, but like the neurological elements of depression as well. If you're already a very positive person, you're not really going to see the negative aspects of life in general. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I've always been a seven for sure. But I think that it was a lot of circumstances that led to my depression, I would say. So I was like, always going to be a teacher that's my life goal. I did start feeling boxed in within this major at my college because I felt like they were forcing all the teachers to be this cookie cutter type teacher of like, you're gonna wake up at 8am, eat an apple and then go work out. And then you're going to go to the calf together. And then you're going to go study from 11 to 12 in the library. And after the library, like all of them were like that. Like, and my school was small enough Anyone that went to JBU knows exactly when you tell someone you're an education major at JBU, a picture I'm sure comes to their mind and you know exactly what it's like. And I was like, I will never be that type of person and I'm not going to be put in a box and like, my creativity is too big. You know what I mean? Well, and that's, I mean, just even reading about sevens, it's like, yeah, that's, the routine and the discipline of that is too confining for sevens. Yeah. So at that time, it was, it was multiple changes at the same time. So I originally did not want to go to the college that I went to, but was, uh, had so many scholarships and earned a lot of scholarships to be able to go there. And in retrospect, I don't know if I would recommend someone to go to that school, but I am glad I, had my own experience all that to say um so I had finally accepted I really enjoy the school I love my friends that I've met here and then dad lost his job that that year um which affected my FAFSA which affected my potential to continue at that school so my like schooling was being questioned um if it was going to be able to return and then you got engaged actually at the same time. So then I was like, I, I was in my head a lot of like, oh, I don't really feel like I can be there to support you. I'm not being a good sister. 
it was kind of like a lot of elements, I guess, of like my identity or what I had put my identity, I guess, in at that time. I was like, oh, I'm not being a good sister. I'm not being a supportive family person, like family member. Oh, I, I may not even be able to continue being a student. And then there was a um, girl in multiple of my classes who killed herself in the dorm rooms at our school. And um, again, super small school. So the the fact that she was in five of my class, uh, four or five, like multiple classes was pretty insane actually. So our class alone, I think was like 700 people. But yeah, so she was in multiple of my classes. Then I found out she was like from our hometown, basically. Like she was from, from Plano. She knew people that we went to church with growing up. No so like way. the chances that she was this related to like where I was from and I didn't know her I hadn't built a relationship and at that time the being the seven I, that I was as a freshman everyone had like typed me I was like oh Rebecca like you know everyone and so I had a lot of guilt of like not that I could have changed anything honestly but that I felt guilty that I didn't know her or hadn't had any conversations with her and I was already like the seven that I was had known so many people already. And anyway, so it was those three, wow. those three big changes that happened. It's actually pretty crazy that you took that on upon yourself. I understand that it would be obviously a very hard hitting reality. That's a lot to like take on upon yourself as in like you felt some sense of responsibility. I think it's like the hometown connection that hit me so hard. It was almost like there was almost no excuse that I shouldn't have known this person. And then it was a lot of, I think what I wrestled with at that time, especially being at a Christian university, a lot of things were being said about the fact that this person took their life. And that was really disheartening to hear. Um, And I knew a lot of details about how things happened. It was like, I almost had too much information because I knew so many people and everyone had different information. So it was really hard. I think that really shook the campus as a whole. Um, But at the time I was also like, yeah, I think in general, I was just wrestling with my relationship with God super hard as well. But it was just a lot of change at the same time. And I, and I was not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just going to college. It's, it's a huge transition in and of itself and feeling like you're finding yourself amongst a group of people. I guess in my experience, at least I also didn't want to go to a Christian school. Um, and then finding yourself not only in a Christian school, but in Arkansas school, even though there are like people from Dallas there, it's like, it's, a, it's a, I think, I think moving from a big, big class, uh in your senior year of high school to like a very small town mentality with a lot of um people who are from a small town and yeah the entire university was the size of just my one class in texas yeah my high school graduating class was like 1300 my entire JBU school was 1,300. That's what, yeah, that's yeah. what ours was, yeah. <laughs> basically. Even 700, it was 400 people, yeah. Yeah. It is pretty, it is a lot of culture shock and being public schooled 
is completely different than being private schooled, et cetera. Yeah. So all that to say people had noticed a personality shift. Honestly, I truly believe a miracle that I, I stumbled into Marquita Smith's office and I was like, I want to switch my major. I don't care what I do. I, I just, I don't want to be in teaching. I hate it, et cetera. <laughs> I'm sure I spouted Lord knows what. And I remember instead of her even trying to convince me to be in her um, department, she was like, what are you good at? Tell me what you're good at. I was like, um, well, I like learning languages. I'm interested in photography and that's all I got. <laughs> and she was like, so then she was like, well, tell me about yourself. And so we just got to talking and she's going to be like, and she goes, she goes, and then she goes, I'm going to tell you right now, you're a storyteller. You are good at telling stories. I just met you and I can already tell you three stories that I would almost retell to somebody else. She was like, not trying to force you into my major, but I actually think that this would be the best path for you. And so, I mean, truly life-changing moment for me because I don't think I ever would even considered communication. So because I was a communication major and I switched into that, I did, uh, we had to do an autobiography biographical type of article in my senior year and I interviewed my RA from my freshman year who had known because I had I was mentally not okay and so many girls on my hall weren't as well after that suicide happened there was multiple people on suicide watch on my hall specifically Mm. and I think I might have been on the list because I had like said some outrageous things I'm sure I interviewed Katie and was like, what was it like living with me freshman during that, during that semester? Whoa. And she said, at times it felt like I was walking on that eggshells. I didn't know when you would just be angry. Right. And that's a lot of what, when my, and even mom has told me this recently, like whenever I don't get sleep or whenever I'm not my normal self, my natural bent is just like anger. That is the duality of my personality I would say when I'm not in a stable place I don't usually turn to sadness necessarily I feel like my depression manifests as like frustration or anger yeah weirdly enough I mean I think that's mine too I don't know if that's just the way that we grew up or the aversion to crying all the time I don't know (laughs) yeah it is weird how I can't really think of many times that we even saw mom or dad cry in general. At least I don't recall. And most of the, almost always, in, in, anytime I cried, it was always youth group related. Like I only remember really crying about youth group. Mm. And maybe when, of course, when like our grandparents died and stuff like that. It's funny because uh, like from according to the Enneagram, the basic fear for a seven is pain. And so Mm. it is interesting, I think, too, I'm also like a late griever, especially when um, my like classmate took her life. For me, it it did actually bring up past grief with our grandparents who did pass away relatively young. I mean, grandmother was in her 60s and Papa was also in his 60s, right? Yeah, that's really young. I mean, talk about late grief. <laughs> it's like four or five years later that I really started processing. And I think, too, there was the element of you were getting engaged. I was your maid of honor. You were getting married. And I was realizing, like, 
you know, grandmother and papa aren't there for your wedding. I mean, it's very likely that, and, and now it's true that like, if I ever get married, none of our grandparents will be alive to see that. You know, I, it got really heavy for, I don't know, I got very existential crisis mode of like, life is short and like, you never know, you know, and like, I don't know, it kind of, it did send me in a, in a downward spiral. This is getting really depressing, so I feel like we should. <laughs> There's your seven coming out. Too much pain, too much pain. No, <laughs> must avoid pain at all costs. I do not cry. I am always happy. <laughs> <laughs> a life of heaven in a nutshell <laughs> let me tell you about the story of when i climbed the great wall of china and toboggan down the other side <laughs> the happiest moment possible trying to just avert, avert pain immediately <laughs> that is the representation of my personality it's true it's it's so interesting to thinking back on okay this is an aside um like how you felt about I remember you telling me something like oh I'm so sorry I like didn't I wasn't a good maid of honor or something and I was like what uh, okay like I was like totally unaware of how like burdensome you felt about it or that it like impacted you there was no expectation on my end of things that you would do for me right. and um, what's even funnier is thinking back and it just goes to show like how terrible of a maid of honor and or bridesmaid I was because <laughs> I was part of people's weddings and like I didn't do like shit like I didn't know what to do that's the thing like I was not aware of like I'm supposed to be this very involved in every single step because I was never like really asked to do that maybe or I was never like part of this process with the bride so like I, maybe I just had no idea. I just realized now I had no idea that there was all these expectations for these people. Right. Because I myself was, if it was expected of me, like it was not shown to me, like you need to be way more involved than you are. It was just like, now I realize, wow, maybe I probably missed a lot of opportunities that I didn't know I was supposed to be taking. <laughs> Right. And that's the thing. I think you're a really self-sufficient person and also goes to show your eightness too, but you yeah. had planned everything. You had done almost everything. You made all yeah. your own bouquets. You made every like bridesmaid gift. You made almost all of the decorations you had at your wedding. I mean, like you are a really non-stereotypical bride in many senses of the word. No one has a three-month engagement. <laughs> When you make up your mind about something, done, deal, signed, sealed, delivered, and I'm going to do it all. You know what I mean? It's like, that is the most non-generic bride. And it's, I'm thankful that you didn't have expectations. But, so yeah, um, speaking of seven things, I left Arkansas, godforsaken country. <laughs> godforsaken state. And literally... <laughs> You know, I've I've only been extremely depressed every time I've lived in Arkansas. <laughs> Isn't that like wild? It's like what a connection there. That's <laughs> right? sad. It's super dark and really messed up. I mean, you met some good people there though that you love. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, no regrets, but also that's a part of being a seven. Collect all the experiences. Never have any regrets ever. Never have any regrets. Avoid pain at all costs. And <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Consider... 
get the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Never consider painful experiences ever painful. They're always wonderful. <laughs> All painful experiences taught me stuff that got me to hear some cliche quote that's on a motivational poster. Yeah, exactly. Why is it important that there is a duality, not just to you, but to people in general? Does that make sense? A lot of positive people, the reason they're so positive is because they've gone through extreme pain or trauma or suffering. And I think that's what people don't recognize about joyful presenting people. Recently, I heard someone say it's like, all pain may not be big, but it's still big to you. Mm. So it's like, yeah, it's still valid within my own experience. I think I would like people to know, yeah, that most joy is created because of you've seen the depths of the opposite and how important it is to recognize that maybe. Yeah, I'm not a seven, but in college I was ESFJ. A lot more happy-go-lucky. Just even hearing stories of what you've said, like how you felt or how you were, mm-hmm. I realized that I was a lot more like that. And I think I did take things a lot more emotionally than I do today. So I don't know if that's still part of your personality, if you still take things as emotionally as you did like back then or if it's like nah that's kind of a college thing where you're just like feeling out everything and you feel everything major personality shifts happen when you've experienced like traumatic things Mm. you experience it very a noticeable personality shift after you went through something that was really hard Mm. and so I think that that would be true even when I lived in China I mean I had some depressive episodes for sure and was like even experienced like paranoia and stuff like that I remember calling you through a lot of stuff and I was like nah okay but the joyful aspects of my personality is my truest self I'm just a loud outgoing like jokester and I am proud to say that I'm a joyful person but again yeah it's like joy cannot be created. I don't, I don't believe at least joy cannot be created without pain, really. Dude, I want to ask you about your paranoia a little bit because I do remember those phone calls. They were wild from my point of view. And I really didn't know what to do or say. Like, I, I don't even know if I just like said it out right where it was just like, dude, like you're freaking out, you know? Like, I'm not sure if you remember anything I, I said. That is time. what you said. I think I think one of those phone calls was a, a legitimate panic attack. I don't think I've ever had a panic p- attack before. And I think I had one on the phone with you because I remember like not being able to breathe. I remember you just being like, dude, just breathe. Just stop. Don't even talk. I'm just going to listen to you breathe. That was a dark place too. You know, all of my depression, I kind of relate to like, being really far from God. It is a hard process. Like all of my journey with God has been very tumultuous, I'd say. Yeah. However many phone calls that was, I don't recall. I do remember realizing that you were freaking out and I didn't know what to believe because the supervision of the Chinese government is very intense. I'm not cultured enough to know how far that can really go or (laughs) what was actually going on. You know, you have that story about your friend literally being kicked out of the country, like after 
acting a fool at a bar. And so, you know, that, that stuff is, it is very serious. Really what it was, was I hit a homesickness wall. If you don't look Chinese, living in China as an expat is really hard. What I feel like I wasn't warned about was how much people stare And I even dyed my hair wildly red when Trump got elected, actually. So talk about your hair reflecting. I was like, F America, why would you do this? (laughs) Dyed my hair red. I mean, I think it is true that they did tap into some phone calls. I have no doubt about that. Are you for real? Yeah. I mean, like if you sign up to live in the communist country, I mean, you're giving me access to that. That's true. It just gets in your mind. Like, it does feel like everyone is watching. People were taking photos of me while I was just eating. Like, I couldn't just go eat at a restaurant without having my photo taken. I remember being living in Uganda for three or four months. It does get to you after a while to have everyone stare at you constantly. I think that there were times where my teammates that I went out there with, I know that they like shelled up on the days that we had off, like that we weren't going out and like doing stuff with the local people that we had kind of like teamed up with. They would just like sit in their rooms and like just watch something, a show on their computer, you know, or just like stay in our, we had like lived on a compound. So it was like, it's like a bunch of land and different housing facilities. And you just kind of didn't want to be around anyone else because you were just like, I just don't, I don't want to stand out. And I want to be around people that like, just accept me as a person and don't like, look at me like a crazy, like, uh, like a shock factor or being treated as like, and other in any and other and yeah other. yeah and that's the thing it is so hard and i think that was just my two months of like homesickness wall but it was manifesting in this like insane paranoia yeah it, it is i think that once i got out of that funk it was good because it's like it is hard because you're like i chose to be here and like i mean sacrificed a lot i ate oatmeal for two months or not two months two weeks straight when I moved there because I was so broke, but I wanted to be there so bad. So that's the thing. It's like... It's it. culture shock is what it is. Oh man, the import store saved my life some days. It was like, I just need like real deodorant, like Old Spice deodorant, or like, <laughs> I just need a block of cheese because you can <laughs> get it <laughs> in China. But... <laughs> Yes. We had a um, restaurant right down the hill. We lived at the top of the hill and you would just walk down the hill. It was probably like a half mile to a little pizza restaurant. And it was like, it's not the best pizza in the world. It was just like, it was just a pizza restaurant. Why was there a pizza restaurant? I have no idea. Was there other things on the menu? Probably. But I only ever ordered pizza there because you just want to eat something. Yes. I I rarely ate Western food. I mean, I could have eaten an Asian diet for the rest of my life. I mean, some of the greatest food I ever eaten. But it is like, you know, once a month, it hits you so hard. You're like, oh, man, I just need a hamburger. You know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of China, I mean, you've talked about how you went from teaching to like desperately changing your major to anything. And then it went into communication. We've had a podcast about how you actually became a reporter (laughs) hilariously enough you went to china to teach kids (laughs) in ninth grade there was like some chinese church conference 
guys, I was literally just sending my friend an audio message about this. Like it came up in my mind about like how we had volunteered at these Chinese church conferences yeah, where we like needed, all they needed was childcare. It was yes. Like, come hang out with some kids and do some fun youth group stuff. Like, yep. Oh. But we had the most incredible, authentic Chinese food that whole week. It was so good. I just fell in love with those kids. And so like since ninth grade, I knew I wanted to live in China. It was just like so many things that I knew I'm going to live there one day. I just knew it. Right. Then the reason I majorly switched out of education on top of many other factors was I would have had to pay this extra amount to specifically teach in Arkansas. And I was like, over my dead body will I stay in Arkansas, which LOL became a crime reporter later there. But yeah, I was like, I'm not going to pay all this extra money knowing I'm not going to teach here. So I was like, it makes more, way more sense to specialize in any other major. And then just eventually, if I led back to teaching, teach within that. So I'm very glad I got my journalism degree because I actually got to lead an American journalism camp in Tianjin, China for my kid. Yeah, that's right. Which was incredible because my translator, who I still actually was sending voice messages, she was previously a Chinese reporter. All that to say, yeah, I loved teaching there. So what's the sevens? We know that your greatest fear is pain. What's your greatest like goal? This one says the greatest desire to be satisfied and content, to have their needs fulfilled. What does that mean to you as a seven? What would you categorize that? Or do you feel like that's true of you? Contentment is defined by so many different things, you know? I think I was joking to you like, oh, I've got to change something. I've done it for a year now. (laughs) (laughs) I can't do anything for just one year. I can't be content for more than a year in one place. Like, (laughs) I have to move immediately. (laughs) In four years, I've literally lived in four different cities oh my gosh yes you know so like you have to choose what where your satisfaction and contentment comes from or else how can you fully define when you're fully content i would say being involved with things that i loved like i loved living in china i was just in my element i was probably the healthiest i'd ever been and was just like loving every minute for the most part (laughs) (laughs) and then the other time i felt that wasn't living in memphis truly but yeah, that's my personality. Maybe one day I'll actually tell some fun stories, but this one got heavy because we wanted to get real. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to get real and it's good to get real, especially in your situation with, like you said, a lot of people um, have really positive outlooks, and but that doesn't mean there's not something else going on in their life. I'm, and in 2021, everyone needs someone to look out for them, you know? Yeah, that's the truth. For so long, I felt maybe like I would be burdening someone with a sad, like maybe I always felt burdened by people saying sad things because I would take it on emotionally. Mm. So I think that's probably why I stopped doing it to other people because I didn't want to feel like a burden. So why would, if, if my limited time with you, like if I only get to see you for an hour, I'm not going to waste your time saying sad stuff. I'm just going to crack a bunch of jokes and tell Funny stories, like you know, like, we ain't here for a, a lot of good. What is it? The Drake song where he's like, "We ain't here for a good time, not a long time." I know. I it's like, yeah, we ain't here for a long time, so might as well have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious because I feel like um, Byron and I's uh, go-to phrase now is like, "We don't got a lot of time, so we got to share everything that's going on. You can't hide any secrets over here. <laughs> no one's got time to be secretive." <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the better perspective. I actually think that's better. <laughs> you know, and that's why it was so beautiful. I got to see my two friends and I hadn't seen them in five years. And that's what we were joking about. We're like, okay, guys, we have two days. Let's share all the traumas that have happened to us in the past five years. <laughs> Like, literally, we just hit the crowd and running like, okay, and then this terrible relationship happened, and then I lived here, and this terrible relationship. Like, literally, we saw each other for less than 20, no, less than 48 hours, and we just, it was just like, and then this terrible thing happened, and then this thing happened, and then this trauma happened, and this is how I healed from that. And like, got so heavy so fast, but it's like, we ain't got time to waste. Uh, that's how you know a good friendship. I feel like we ended on a good note. It's important to find those people in your life. If not someone in your life, then a counselor to share the hard things with. And as the trigger word that they use on The Bachelor now, be vulnerable. Just, you just gotta be vulnerable. <laughs> Wait, is that what's going on in The Bachelor right now? Yeah, I'm watching The Bachelor too much in quarantine. But I feel like the last <laughs> Bachelor, I love Tasha. I loved her. But like every other sentence, she was like... It was just so vulnerable, and I was being vulnerable. I was like, yes, vulnerability is a strength. I shouldn't be making fun of that. But it was like, girl, we get it, okay? Vulnerability. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) But yeah, thanks for listening, and thanks for being my sister and my sis. And thanks everyone for listening to the duality of Rebecca's personality. Bye. Boom. <laughs>